This is the ZMAR Podcast. Elite Benefits of America helps small and mid-sized companies with their health insurance programs. And now, your host, Butch ZMAR. talk about doing something different. People already know the definition of insanity, uh, repeating the same thing over and over, expecting something different. And then you have the contrarian approach, which is the persistency side, right? Like do something um, against the outliers. Um, a lot of people that might be listening to this podcast, you know, probably are in business because they went the different direction than everybody else. And, and there's obviously some rewards with that. But, you know, repeating the same thing over and over again, expecting something different is very common in the benefits world as well as business, right? That's why a lot of businesses fail. They just trying to expect certain things to change and they don't, but then they also don't stay consistent at it either. And so there's a lot of reasons, but let's just, uh, I'm going to dive into a scuba story about teaching how to use the actual compass um, underwater. It's actually really no different than on land, except for in a lot of cases, you do not have uh, visual references as you do on land. And so a lot of times when we teach this, we actually throw a towel over somebody, uh, over your head and, um, and you drape your head down and you're looking at the compass. So you don't really have outside influences. Usually you have enough uh, light and some capacity to actually see your compass and what you're doing. And then we go to an area where you're not going to trip and fall and we actually count out spe- um, steps. We'll make markers uh, to see if you can like, go out and back and hit the same spot within a certain you know, f- amount of feet away. Maybe do a square and come back to the same location uh, without actually having any visual aid. So there's a lot of teaching and training that goes involved. You know, the biggest thing is going in a straight line. If you have a stronger leg and a weaker leg, you're going to notice things a little bit different. So you have to adapt to it. Um, different kicking cycles, um, and, and there's a chance that you might veer off course, and then you completely miss your underwater target. Anyways, another thing when we teach the compass. When you're shipwreck diving, old school shipwrecks, you know, the metal ones, not the wood ones in the Great Lakes, uh, but the steel ships, um, they use, sometimes they pick up a magnetic um, field that the compass picks up. So then the magnetic north changes. And so it could throw your compass off even slightly or completely off, um, depending on the shipwreck. I've never been on a shipwreck where it actually veered off a ton, but it was enough to set you off course so you can definitely uh, miss your target. There was a dive, and I'm just going to walk you through one of the dives that actually occurred, and this happen, happens you know, more often than you think. We dive in a local quarry in Chicago land, um, and uh, some people think, well, quarry diving. Well, in the Midwest, we don't have much to choose. It's a lot easier to get access to. You can do it on a regular basis, on a repeated basis. It's easier and less expensive to get access to. And then the quarry is adaptable for scuba. So the owner will put things in there for attraction. And then you know, on certain days, like on a weekend, they'll cook. Um, they'll sell burgers and all kinds of stuff. So it's like a little resort uh, way um, to get your mind away from the real uh, world, at least, versus going on a shipwreck or um, in Lake Michigan, for example. There's logistics, there's weather, there's current, there's all this other stuff. Um, you're already spending over $100 to get on the boat, and you have to time it so that you're there on time for the departure, and you could get blown off a wreck depending on currents and weather. I mean, there's a whole bunch of scenarios where you can go down to the quarry. I don't know what she's charging these days, but, you know, it could be 20 or $30 or maybe $40 to get in for the day. 
you could scuba dive all day long. It doesn't matter when you show up except for maybe certain time events with friends or classes and you go. So it's just a lot easier. And, and I'd say I, quarry divers are great divers. Uh, they become better Caribbean divers as a result. Um, so for those of you that don't travel a whole lot, but want to be a better diver when you do, um, try quarry diving. So anyhow, there's one quarry, I've had hundreds of dives. In fact, a lot of times we would have hundreds of dives in one dive season. A lot of times uh, we didn't have to look at a compass. We could do navigation across the floor. We've been there multiple times. Um, but, you know, there's, you know, one time we were heading out and we were taking a compass reading and things started just not looking right. When I say that, um, visual references are key. And so uh, we just kept um, going because we weren't sure that maybe the visual aids have changed. Maybe we started at a different point than we were used to and just some things were a little off. It's not like you have two intersections that actually happen to move. These intersections are kind of smooth over it. Like it's not, it's blended. It's not necessarily a hard stop. There's a few things like big rocks or boats or something, but sometimes you're going right across the quarry. It's just flatlands. In this particular case, we were way off, right? And so it's like, well, you know, if I did everything I was told, everything I was taught, um, in fact, I even teach it. How was I so far off of this target or heading inside this quarry that I know extremely well? What it ended up coming out to is it was a bad compass, right? Um, so they was giving me wrong directions and I didn't know. And um, I didn't visually see any physical problems with it. Sometimes with bad compasses, you'll see the liquid in there. Uh, you could obviously see something's off in there. It doesn't stay level. This one didn't have any of that, right? So um, I had no other reason to believe otherwise. So employers and CFOs and HR, a lot of them are, uh, they're, they're scuba diving with a bad compass, right? Uh, when it comes to their employee benefit programs, they're doing all the same things. They're doing it every single time. They're doing everything they were ever told um, and they thought they were staying on course. Uh, they even changed insurance companies. They changed plan designs. They even changed brokers with broken promises um, and then eventually found out that they were still off course, right? So how can this really be? And so um, even though I'm, I'm going to use Compass as a guidance with uh, how things are done, and we'll get to more details, but um, with a bad Compass, you will always, no matter what you do, you will always end up heading in the wrong direction. You'll never hit your goal. In this case, with employee benefit programs, it's more affordability for the company as well as the employees and lower their out-of-pocket expenses at claim time because there's families that could barely put gas in the gas tank and put food on the table that's reasonable for the entire family so they're not hungry, um, and yet you're asking them to pay more out-of-pocket uh, at claim time. So those are targets to lower all that. Just in general, what happens when you change your compass, right? You get a new one, right? Use somebody else's, right? And get some leverage, some, you know, outside uh, influences. And so you set your course and, and you might be able to learn a little bit more because you're headed on the right track, right? You get to kick out the bad habits, maybe create, um, create new ones. In the world of scuba diving, you could have bad kicking styles and throw you off course. You could have trim and weighting issues that throw you off course. There's so many different variables that will uh, vary your compass reading and get to your target. So, and then you could start, you know, using other things outside sources, such as visual aids or even weather for that matter, uh, currents, um, which are relatable to market trends in, in, in the workplace. 
So one thing is for sure, if you keep repeating the same thing, you may already have bad habits and you got to fix those. But how do you know that if you're not in the right vehicle or the right product or right um, everything, right? And so a lot of things that come back from employer meetings or CFO meetings, even HR, um, they say all these things and I say, it's just say what you want. You want PPO networks, you want the big logos, you want traditions, right? Thing that we've always had it this way, right? Traditions, right? Um, you know, or that insurance company's always been great to us, right? No one cares anymore, right? And so, and no one's going to care if you can't provide it to your employees, right? If, if employees are going to leave uh, for other benefits, one of the um, top reasons that employees leave are usually culture or the employee benefit package. So they're going to leave, right? They don't care. They don't care about you or anything else. They only care about themselves. They're going to better themselves and move on. They're going to be less productive in the workplace when you um, don't do anything to make positive change, right? You might need to scale back a little bit on the benefits, which means more out of pocket. So basically, essentially, you're hurting your employees because you can't figure out a different way to do it because you're so fixed on PPO and these PPO networks, you know, it's got to be the big name PPO network, or I got to have that logo on my wallet, uh, or I have uh, traditions, right? Like this is the way we always done it. I love that one, right? Like, well, it's obviously not working, right? So what do you do? Because in some cases, you may even have to shut your doors. We've had companies that had to close their doors and they had to go get a job with benefits. Sometimes why the spouse is staying home, raising the kids, and they um, eventually have to force their spouse to get their kids to school and go get a job that has benefits. You're taking the mom out of the house that's taking care of the kids, giving the kids to somebody else to take care of just so you can get benefits. And I know some people are like, well, that's just the way it goes. But there's people listening to this podcast that, that that's not what their plan was, right? They're, they're, uh, they're, they're doing things because they're so loyal to old traditions, such as that's the way we've always been doing it. I want that logo in my wallet, right? All that stuff. So you just have to get better, right? If you get a new compass, uh, and that can be a new broker, a new product line, more you know, robust health planning, maybe more everything, right? And so let's walk through that. So you got to get better at your craft, right? I would recommend the first thing that you would need to do, especially if you're a middle market, large employer, and you've been doing things the same way um, and or same broker for years, or you switch brokers, you still end up with the same results. You need to go on the marketplace. You can call our office for sure, but there's tons out there that pay for a consultant to evaluate this and give it to you. You pay for it, you own it, right? You can do whatever you want with it. Sure, you might hire an insurance agency such as us or some other um, outfit like uh, our buddy Robert Slayton in Naperville and there's other people in North Carolina and Florida and Texas that you could just hire and get this report. Of course, they want to win your business um, and that'll be secondary, but you can call them and say, Hey, I just, can you analyze this? And, and we just need a report to see where we're, we're staying and where we're off. Right. And then you could re- review that. And if you choose to do business with the new guy, then so be it. But at least you can go out and pay for a report. You own it. You can do whatever you want with it. There's no obligations. Everybody's up front. They know they're not winning the business, um, for the benefit packages, they're just, you're providing a second opinion on how you're, where you stand today and where you're going. You're going to learn new techniques in the process, right? So um, there was an article on CFO.com about healthcare, in fact. And so they surveyed employers. They were talking about that with the employers, they were talking about on their expenses, pharmacy costs were up 24% from 
2021 to 2022. I have no idea what it's in 2023 yet, but it's actually gone up, believe it or not. I'm sure that's surprising to some people. And so just imagine what it is on the bottom line where the next renewal, if the health, if the cost is going up, the employees out of pocket's going up, but the portion of the insurance company's paying is also going up. Therefore, the premiums have to go up. And so, but what if you found a solution to maybe um, help lower the cost of medication for your employees? Like, would that be a bad thing? You can't do it in most plans that are, um, are out there. Middle market carrier or middle market employers out there are still doing things the traditional way, the way they've always done it, right? And all oh, my broker spreadsheets and put side by side comparison, but we're still in the same boat. Those people don't have access to help lower in their prescription costs. In some cases, depending on how it's built and the plan, uh, you might have some access to information, but a lot of times the, the pharmaceutical or the, what they call the, the pharmacy benefit manager is tied or owned by the actual medical insurance company. So you're basically saying that, well, we're, you know, basically it's one pocket paying the other. They don't really care what the cost is. So there's really no leverage for negotiation. There was um, a friend of mine, he's on the East Coast that was on this podcast and he had talked about, and, and I forget the actual number, but um, it was a similar situation uh, and the insurance company owned the pharmacy benefit manager. And as a result, it was like um, they were able to cut like 25% of the overall prescription cost by taking it away from um, the uh, same company. And and that happens in level funded all the time when you gravitate towards um, big branded carriers that offer level funded. You're headed in the right direction, but a lot of them own the same pharmacy benefit manager. So therefore, there's somewhat of a conflict of interest because you can't leverage that. They're not going to allow you to carve that out. If there's a better deal, but you like the health insurance, they're not going to allow you to do that. Listen up. Butch wants to give you your own elite benefits playbook, and it's absolutely free. From business strategy to benefit strategy, every step from the start through implementation, account setup, and open enrollment, working through service requests and the process of renewals. A valuable look at your company, your insurance options, and how to make the process easier on you. Go now to EliteBenefits.net slash playbook and get your free Elite Benefits playbook or give Butch a call today, 708-535-3006. And then what about data? We've been talking about data for a little while, but we're in the renewal season and that's where it comes down to. We were just reviewing the claims report for one of our clients and uh, he was surprised uh, how much data was in there, but it helped him make an informed decision. He heard about, you know, some of the employees making some hospital stays and whatnot because, you know, they had parties for them and, you know, just fundraising to help them out, you know, during tough times. And so that's good, you know, in the workplace, it builds morale and it makes sure that employees feel like they're important there. And so he knew some things were going on. They didn't know any detail, but looking at the numbers, right, they don't know specifically which employee has just the total number. But he could look at it and say, wow, we're paying in, you know, X amount of dollars. This is what we're paying out. So, like, what does this look like for us, right? And so um, a lot of data that went into it. So there's definitely some information there that uh, we're able to make executive decisions on. Even with the small to middle market, um, they don't get a lot of this data. So Ask your broker if you can get claims data. In some cases, you can't, or a lot of the cases you can't, for mostly because it's not designed that way. But for those that have the report, sometimes you have limited access or you're not looking at it or reviewing it. 
In some cases, even big companies such as Kraft Foods, they weren't allowed access to it based on a contract. And so they're actually suing the insurance company to get access to this claim data because they want to see it and they're not providing it. So they're obviously hiding something and this happens on a lot of the small and middle market employers out there because they want to do things the traditional way. Well, all right, well, the insurance company says, well, just we're just not going to show you all that because and because we're going to control the cost for you. And how do you know if you're getting, not getting ripped off? You just don't know. The other thing you're able to do is pick up uh, trends, right? Um, like currents in the sea, you'll have to adjust your compass. But I'm talking about market trends, right? Certain prescription drugs are going through the roof or um, certain medical expenses are on a rise. So you could figure out ways to move around it. Maybe um, you could figure out higher rated facilities at lower cost and build them into the plan. And then if your employees decide that they're going to go there, maybe eliminate their out-of-pocket expenses. You could be proactive and probably beat the trend by being ahead of it, right? And you're not going to beat it all the time. And so there's a lot of things that go into it. You're always going to get increased. So even if you saved a ton of money, a million dollars in the first year, if that was even possible, uh, it doesn't mean it's going to keep going back. Yeah. You're going to get increases. Why? Because you have claims, right? Employees are going to have activity. Um, and so there's frequency of claims. Um, cost of services are going up all the time, especially now since the Affordable Care Act. But um, that's a different note altogether. The aging population or the workforce, right? There's more claims happening. And so by having access to information, what we could do is actually what I call trim the fat, right? You could look at it and, and any excess waste and premium, you could just slice off the top, right? And you could probably, you know, figure out what's the competitive charge for administrating the plan. What is a competitive charge for the pharmacy benefit manager, right? You can analyze that cost. You could control the cost. You could switch vendors in between the health, entire health plan so that you can stick with the same payer. You could stick with the same pharmacy vendor, but you could switch everything else. Like on the renewals, as you're predicting this, you could shop the market and say, hey, this is competitive data that you could use for underwriting versus no data. So you could actually compete a little bit more. You could have a two to four year outlook on some of this by um, having you know control of these faucets um, to uh, see where things are going to go. You could have conversations with the vendors and see what kind of rate increases they're having or what they're seeing. So you could predict some of this going forward. Because in a lot of cases, you can move to a new plan uh, away from the way you've always been doing it. And you might be able to save a substantial amount of money. So hypothetically, in an example, you save $250,000 in year one, and that could be realistic for your situation. And so the following year, you might receive a 1% or even a 3 to 5% increase, right? You're still below where you used to be by at least $300,000 in this example. In some cases, it could actually be more. But you're employee base is getting older. They're increasing the um, claims. At some point, it'll kind of wash out, especially depending on how big you are. But yeah, it's gonna, just going to be overall expenses and trends. But um, you can still have a multi-year outlook on this thing. And, and it makes it a lot easier for planning all this. So the first step is to um, get a playbook going and figure out where you guys stand. You can actually go to leapbenefits.net forward slash playbook and download your own copy. Uh, we can put together a scorecard and see where you're at today. Again, going forward, actually give you a, actually, um, a consultant report so that way you can take it home and read it and digest it and 
get out of the way of the way you've been used to doing, right? And, and move on, and so you don't have to worry about making changes and putting your employees in a worse situation.